As we're doing so, uh, turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Samuel chapter number three. I'm just watching to see if anybody else tries to escape, thinking I won't notice them leaving the auditorium during Sunday school. First uh, Samuel chapter three. We're of course looking at lesson nine, the journey to Shiloh. Uh, Brother Jerese has those. If you need one, put your hand up. Uh, Brother Jerese, after you care for over there, Miss Moira here needs one uh, on this side. I want to make sure everybody has one of our lessons. Anyone else still have a need? Didn't get one yet. And Miss uh, Miss Shirley needs one too, I think, Brother Jerry's. Oh, there we go. He's got one. We're good. All right. Look with me here at Samuel, First Samuel, chapter three, and we're going to look at verses one through thirteen. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. The word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And there came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And there the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. And the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again, and he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he shall call thee that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Verse 11, And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. And lastly, in verse 13, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever, for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Let's pray. Lord, as we examine Samuel today, the prophet, Lord, as we see his journey of faith, Lord, as we see this journey to Shiloh, Lord, I pray you would help us and give us the teaching imperative for our lives and for our relationships this week. Lord, I pray that we would receive your word, your will, and your purpose today. Lord, I pray you'd bless our Sunday schools this morning. Lord, I pray for our teenagers. I pray for our children. Lord, I pray you'd bless 
uh, and here this morning as we look in your word, be with our uh, nursery workers as well. Lord, would your will be done in every aspect of every part of this day, Lord, as we seek to lift you up and glorify you. Uh, Lord, help us now. God, help me, Lord, to teach you right your word. May you be glorified. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We, as I mentioned before, we find that the first way we're introduced to the familial connection to Samuel is through his mother. And it was his mother who prayed. It was his mother who was praying. And the priest thought she was drunk. By the way, that priest was Eli. And she was praying, asking God to give her a son. And in that prayer, not only did she pray, but she vowed to God and said, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And God did give Hannah a son. And Hannah did keep her promise. And Hannah did bring her son uh, to minister in the temple. She was willing to surrender everything to the Lord. Now, I want to stop just for a moment and remind you that everything we are, everything we have, every aspect of our life belongs to the Lord. Our tongue should sing His praises, Psalm 34, 13. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Our hands should be involved in service for others. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Our feet should not run to places of iniquity. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Uh, our eyes should look to see the glory of the Lord. And by the way, the Bible says that creation itself uh, proclaims the glory of God so that they are without excuse. In Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. And as we see in the case of Samuel, very uniquely so here, our ears should listen. Listen to the voice of God. The Bible tells us in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We ought to realize that everything we are belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he paid the price. He paid the ultimate price for you and for me. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, this is your, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Samuel, we see here the very beginning of Samuel's life. We see him as a young man ministering in the temple. Uh, we're going to see God speaking to him in just a moment. But we see that Samuel, his life, not only did his mother give him to the service of the Lord, but there came a point when Samuel gave himself. When Samuel would surrender. How do we know that? Because Samuel's life was a life of service to our Lord, a life of ministry, a life that God would use. 
We see number one here in this passage, and we'll, we're going to backtrack a little bit from last week. I want to make sure everybody gets the notes here. Uh, number one in your notes this morning, we see the calling of Samuel. The calling of Samuel. After God provided a son for Hannah, her husband, uh, and she took Samuel to minister in the temple. He grew up in the tabernacle at Shiloh. He grew up there at that place, and at that time, that's where the tabernacle was pitched, was in Shiloh. We see in Samuel chapter, 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 4, in the text we read, uh, we see that he was laid down, and he was sleeping, and he heard someone speak to him. He, he heard something, and he thought it was Eli, the priest, calling him. And he got up, and he went to Eli, and Eli said, I didn't call you. Imagine how angry Eli was. Brother Gerald, imagine if you're, you, know, you were 40 years older than you are right now and you're sleeping and some young kid comes and wakes you up and says, what do you need? You just smacked him around. Uh, and like, oh, leave me alone. I'm sleeping. I'm having trouble sleeping. Go back to bed. But God was calling. God was calling Samuel. And we see here in the calling of Samuel, letter A in your notes, we see the hearing. The hearing of Samuel. How many of you, like me, have some, some hearing problems? Anyone have any hearing problems? I've got some. Uh, Brother Darren says I have more than a little bit of a hearing problem, but I, I, have some, I have some hearing loss. I also have selective hearing. How many of you have selective hearing? I believe every husband here, yeah, every husband has selective hearing. Uh, you hear what you want to hear, right? Remember the juries? Uh, we have selective hearing sometimes, but uh, I have some hearing loss. While Samuel was laid down to sleep, though, he heard the voice of the Lord. We see in verse 5 through 9 that he was assisted, if you will, by Eli. Look there, it says, and he ran to Eli and said in verse 5, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. I want to pause here just for a moment to, to share a truth that is vital. Christian, the world needs to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Every person needs to know him. Now, to know the Lord Jesus Christ, there is only one way to know him, and that's through the word of God. That's why the Bible is so vital. It's why it's so vital we share the truth. Uh, Samuel did not know the Lord. Why? He did not yet know the word of God. And we've got to be constantly getting the word of God out and getting the truth out. Uh, and it says there uh, in verse 8, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. Now, as I mentioned up to this point, in his life, Samuel did not know the Lord. Samuel had not yet had the word of the Lord revealed unto him. So we have the Lord speaking to Samuel, yet Samuel did not know the Lord. 
1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 10 gives a record of Samuel as he was approached by God. It says, and the Lord came. It says in verse 10 there, and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, speak, for thy servant heareth. Notice here that the Lord did not just speak, but he stood by him. He was there so Samuel could have a relationship with the Lord. The Lord was there present with him. And I praise God today uh, that the Lord's Spirit is present with us today. The Bible says that where two or more are gathered in his name, he'll be there in the midst of them. We, we have the presence of the Lord. In the Old Testament, uh, we find before uh, the cross, before the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, the Spirit of God would dwell and rest above the mercy seat behind the veil in the Holy of Holies. But I praise God that God's presence does not rest today in a, uh, a holy place separated from man. But rather, God's Spirit rests in us and dwells in us as believers. But we see here the Lord stood. He called. He said, Samuel, Samuel. I shared the funny story last week about the man who was in a flash flood. and He climbed up on the roof and he got on his knees on top of the roof and he said, Oh, God, save me. God, get me out of here. And as he was praying, a boat came by and parked up beside of the edge of his roof. The water had risen so high and said, hey, get in the boat. You're going you're gonna to drown. Get in the boat. And he said, oh, no. He said, I'm not getting in the boat. I prayed the Lord for the Lord to save me. So the boat took off. A little bit later, he heard noise, and a helicopter came. And helicopter hovered above him. A, a rope ladder came down. A guy came down the rope ladder, reached his hand down, and said, come with me. We'll save you. He said, oh, no, I'm not coming with you. I'm not getting on the helicopter. I prayed the Lord would save me. Just as the helicopter was flying away, the dam burst. The water came down the valley, flattened the house. He was sucked into the flood and killed. A few minutes later, he had woke in heaven and he went to find the Lord. And He said to the Lord, how come you didn't save me? I believed in you. I prayed for you. I prayed you'd save me and you didn't save me. And the Lord looked at him and said, you idiot, I sent a boat and a helicopter. Now, so often we don't recognize God's will. So often we don't recognize God's working because we want to define the parameters. We, we want to say, this is the way that I want to go. This is the way I want to travel. I remember a date that my wife and I had many, many, many years ago, and I think it was for her birthday. It was either her birthday, maybe it was her anniversary, I don't remember. Uh, I remember it because it was a... It cost me a lot of money, so I remember the date very well. Uh, it was a special occasion. We had been married, I don't remember, a couple years maybe. And we got, I, I told her, I said, let's get, let's get all dressed up. I didn't tell her where we are going, what we were doing. Now, husbands, I'm not recommending you do that, but that's what I did to my wife. And I said, hey, let's, you know, she said, where are we going? I said, I'll just dress, dress up fancy. So we got dressed up, and we got dressed, you know, my fancy, I had my fanciest overalls on, Brother Mike, and I even put shoes on, Brother Krim. I was dressed pretty fancy. I combed off. I had hair back then. I combed my hair. And 
We got in the car and we drove down the road and I pulled into a McDonald's parking lot. And my wife just kind of looked at me. And I pulled in the parking lot and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, we're going out on a date. We're going to go to McDonald's. She looked at me like she was going to murder me. Something about, why did you want me to get dressed up if we're just going to McDonald's? I rolled, I thought, you know, I acted like, no, no, no big deal. We're going to McDonald's. So we parked the car, we got out, and we walked into McDonald's. And now she was with me, Brother Mike. She, I'm not sure how excited she was, but she was there. Brother Bonnie, I walked up, and we're kind of looking at the menu, and I'm acting like I'm trying to figure out where, what I'm going to get on the menu. And I finally looked at her, and I said, you know what? I said, this just doesn't sound good. And I said, let's get out of here. And I, I grabbed her hand, and I went to go out the exit on the other side of the building. And, and as we're going out the exit on the other side of the building, she said, we parked on the other side, and we walked out the other side. I had a limo waiting uh, on the other side of the McDonald's. Uh, we went to a little fancier place, the McDonald's, that night in a limo, I might add. Uh, we, you know, we want to plan for the Lord to you know, pick us up in the limo. Uh, we want the Lord, uh, you know, we, we want everything to go beautifully and wonderfully. And by the way, that's the only time we've ever been in a limo. Uh, we, we want that kind of treatment from the Lord. We want the Lord to, to pull out all the stops in our opinion of what should happen. Samuel here did not know the Lord yet. God is speaking to him. Many of us know the Lord. And when he speaks to us, we don't listen because he's not saying what we want to hear. He's not telling us the things that we are anticipating or wanting. But can I tell you here that Samuel heard the voice of the Lord? Letter B, I gave you last week, we talked about the hearing of Samuel. He heard the Lord. Number uh, Letter B, we see the holiness of God. Mr. Moody, D.L. Moody said, a holy life will make the deepest impression. Lighthouses blow no horns. They just shine. We see the holiness of the Lord. Eli was the same high priest who had blessed Elkanah and Hannah when she prayed for a son. He served God for many years before he allowed his sons to bring wickedness upon the nation. He had allowed his sons to pervert the office of the priest. And God had condemned him. He had made a pronouncement. We see that in verses 12 through 14. In that day, I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house when I begin. It will also make an end, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever. For the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Therefore have I sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering for ever. Now we see something here. God made a proclamation against the wickedness of the house of Eli, but he did more than that. He proclaimed the wickedness of the house of Eli, but also he stated his purpose for Samuel. 
Christian, we need to get back to understanding that God has a purpose for our life as well. We need to not read the Bible and say, yeah, God had a purpose for Samuel and God had a purpose for this person and for King David and for this, but not me, I'm a spectator. No, God has a purpose for your life and for my life. It's very vital we understand and see God's purpose. Uh, His life was to be faithful. His life was to be clean, a contrast to the wickedness of the sons of Eli. It was a call to holiness for Samuel. Uh, He was to be a vessel uh, fit to be used for the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2 says, But if in a great house there were not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. How many of you have ever seen a coffee cup that had coffee left in it for several weeks and seen the green growth that begins? You seen that before? It's like a colony of some, uh, I don't know, some alien creatures begin to grow on top of that coffee. And it's pretty nasty. And you dump it out and there's that scum in the cup. And you probably don't take that cup and just pour some more coffee in and drink it unless you're daring. Uh, You probably want to wash that cup out uh, and get rid of that corruption before you use it again. Now, can I tell you, God wants us to be vessels of honor. God, God, we see God's holiness here because God wants us to be holy. The Bible says, be you holy as I am holy. Now, I cannot be as holy as God is until I see him, until he makes me in his image, but I am to be focused on the holiness of God in my life. The filter of all the decisions of my life should be filtered through the holiness of God. In 1 Samuel 2, back to the chapter before, verse 22, it says, Now Eli was very old, and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And then in verse 26, it says, The child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Samuel served in the tabernacle. Samuel had served, no doubt, Eli. We know that because when he heard the voice, he thought, Eli's calling. No doubt Eli had called him before. No doubt he had served Eli, ministered to Eli before. So Samuel served in the tabernacle, but God had a second purpose for Samuel, and it was to speak. We see it in verse 18 of our text it says in verse 17, and he said, What is the thing the Lord has said unto thee? This is Eli speaking with Samuel. I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me at all, the things that he said unto thee. In verse 18, and Samuel told him every whit, and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him Good. Verse 19, and Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. A test of a true prophet was that they gave all the words of the Lord. Uh, Samuel did not let one word drop. Samuel 
could have very easily, when Eli said, what did the Lord say to you? I mean, how many of you would have liked to have said, yeah, God told me that he's going to judge you <laughs> and your family. He already told you he's going to do it. It had been real easy to, for Samuel to say, well, you know, he just talked to me a little while. You know, we had a bit of a discussion. Uh, he talked about some things he was going to do. It would have been easy for Samuel to have done that. But Samuel shared all the words of the Lord. Samuel was a man that God would call to be a great prophet. And Samuel kept the word. Samuel shared the word. Uh, he was obedient. Deuteronomy 18.20, But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have commanded, not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. That's pretty serious. In verse 21, if thou shalt say in thine heart, how shall we know the word of the Lord uh, hath not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet that has spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him." In other words, there were false prophets who would say, hey, if you don't do this to me, uh, God's going to judge you. If you don't give me that, if they, they were looking for people to do things for them. And God says, hey, if what they say doesn't come to pass, they're, they're not speaking for me. You don't have to fear them. You don't have to fear them commanding God. Number one, man does not command God. I don't care if we're talking in the days of Samuel or we're talking in the days of the hell evangelists today that uh, say they're proclaiming Jesus and speaking. No, man does not tell God what to do. Man does not command God. And by the way, for man to think that he does is stupidity on the part of man. That man is an idiot. That man has gone beyond the word of God and is a heretic. I do not command the, the Lord. I do not tell uh, the Lord what to do. Rather, I am to share the word of the Lord, and Samuel shared all of the word of the Lord. He was a true prophet. He was a representative of the children of Israel. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Number two in your notes this morning we see the cleansing of the people. The cleansing of the people. It was Samuel's, and I, I know we're shifting gears here a little bit. Uh, we're going to look now not at Samuel as a young boy in the temple, but Samuel now is older. And we're going to see Samuel's first great act as a leader, as a prophet, after the death of Eli. Eli is dead now. The priest has died. And we see the cleansing of the people. Letter A in your notes, we see a conditional covenant. A conditional covenant. We, when I was a young person, my parents bought a Ford Crown Victoria. I think it was a 1986 or 1987 Ford Crown Victoria. Bought it new. When my dad bought the car, he bought the extended warranty. 
And after I went off to Bible college, the engine went in that Ford Crown Victoria. Now, I'm not sure if it had anything to, the, to do with the way I drove it, Brother Mike, when I was in high school or not. I don't know that, but probably. But the engine went. And my dad said, well, I sure was wise in purchasing that extended warranty. So my dad, in full confidence, called Ford Motor Company and said, hey, my engine went out of my car. I've got the extended warranty. You all need to give me a new engine. And they said to my dad, Mr. Rice, we are going to need you to give us all of the maintenance records in hard copy for every oil change that was ever done from the moment you purchased the vehicle. And my dad said, well, I, I did a lot of that myself. And they said, well, sir, then your warranty is void. You see, the warranty my dad bought was contingent upon several things in the fine print that he didn't realize. It was conditional. We see here a conditional covenant in 1 Samuel 7 in verses 2 and 3. And this is the first act of the prophet Samuel after the passing of Eli the priest. It says in verse 2, And there came to pass, and it came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim, that the time was long, for it was twenty years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto the house of Israel, saying, If you do return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. We see here a conditional covenant that God gave to the prophet to give to the nation of Israel. If they would cleanse themselves, God would heal their land. We see a similar, similar truth, of course, repeated a few times in Scripture Israel had followed the sin of idolatry. Israel had disobeyed the command to worship God alone. Have no other gods before me. Yet they did. And they worshiped false gods and idols. And Ashtaroth uh, was uh, one, of the, uh, one of those false gods that they worshiped, the pagan gods and goddesses that they had started following. The covenant was also formed because the Ark of the Covenant had been kept. The Bible speaks about it being at Kirjath-Jerim for 20 years. By the way, that wasn't where it was supposed to be. But it had been there for 20 years, and, and the Bible says, And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Now, why did they lament? Why were they crying? They were crying out because they had been under the hand of the Philistines. They, they had been judged. Judges. By the way, chapter 13, verse 1 says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. We see that God had brought them in that place, and they were lamenting, they were crying out to God. And Samuel said, you've cried out to God. If you want God to hear you, you want God to heal your land, here's what you have to do. You have to return to the Lord with all your heart. Now, you can't return to the Lord with all your heart while you're hanging on to your false gods. You can't worship the Lord with all your heart while you're worshiping other false idols. They had to put away their strange gods. 
an Astaroth. And by, by put away, it doesn't mean put them in the closet. How many of you remember your mom asking you to clean your room when you were a kid? How many of you, like me, just put everything in your closet? Am I the only one that did that? Man, my floor would be covered by the body. I'd just throw everything in the closet, hold it as best I could, close the door. My mom would come in and check and go, man, that's a miracle. I mean, a miracle has happened. The room is clean. Until she went over and opened the closet door, I had to get a bulldozer to get the stuff off of my mother after it flattened her when the door opened. It doesn't mean put it away in the closet, you know, just don't set it out. When it speaks about putting away the false gods, it means destroying them, getting rid of them permanently, to put them away, far away. We see not only that, but also they needed to prepare their hearts to prepare their hearts to serve only the Lord. I grew up on a farm. And for those of you that have not been around farming, can I tell you that farming is a it's a wonderful a wonderful thing, but it's not an easy it's not an easy thing to do. You know, we live in a culture today where people think that, you know, produce grows in grocery stores. And uh, meat uh, grows in the meat department. And uh, people shouldn't kill those poor defenseless animals. They can just go to the meat department and buy it like everybody else. Uh, We have no idea where our food comes from. We have no idea how we get food. Uh, It's just ridiculous, our understanding. But when it comes to farming, you don't just go and pick a crop. You have to plant seed. And you don't just take and walk out and scatter seed on the ground and say, okay, I'll come back in a few months and I'll pick the crop. No. You've got to break the ground. You've got to plow it. You've got to disc it. You've got to prepare the field to receive the seed. It has to be broken. It has to be softened. It has to be ready. We see here a preparation of the heart, the plowing and the disking that God needs to do in the heart of the nation of Israel and God wants to do in your heart to be able to receive and be prepared to worship Him, to praise Him, and to serve Him only. And can I tell you, the mourning of the nation of Israel, the, uh, this crying out to God, as the Bible speaks about, this lamenting in verse 2 of 1 Samuel 7, brought them to a place of confession and repentance. It brought them to that place. We saw the conditional covenant, but let her be in your notes, we see a call for help. A call for help. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 through 10, it says, And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cause not to cry, uh, cause not to cry unto the Lord our God for us. Or cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb, a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel. And the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder upon that day and the Philistines and discomfited them and they were smitten before Israel. 
it's important to understand that this prayer, this sacrifice of the sucking lamb that Samuel made happened after Israel turned from their false gods. They weren't clutching their false gods and worshiping Ashtaroth and saying, Hey, Samuel, why don't you pray for us while we hug these idols and pray for them? No. There was a repentance in the heart of the nation. That conditional covenant had been met. And Samuel would go to prayer. Samuel would as well offer the sacrifice. In verse 4, before we ask God for help, we need to confess our sin. We can't expect God to work on our behalf when we ignore him and allow sin to come before him in our life. Now, when we disobey God, it does not change God's love for us. It does not change our position in Christ. It does not change my sonship. But when we are asking God to intervene in our behalf, the Bible tells us, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land, forgive their sins and heal their land. We, we see a picture there of that God's people coming to the right place and God working. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I'm, if I'm by something that has, has a lot of noise, background noise, I'm almost deaf. If someone speaks, I can't hear what's going on. The Bible says God won't hear. Not he can't hear. The Lord isn't deaf. He's not the old man upstairs. He doesn't struggle, huh? Like, that's me. He doesn't do that. It says he will not hear. Can I, can I take just a minute here and step away from this message and let me, let me help some of you Younger folks, some of you that haven't had children yet, can I, can I teach you something that I promise will help you? And I've seen it. I've lived it. I've watched it happen. When my children were little, and I'm talking when they were infants, when they were babies, my wife, we'd put them to bed. Now, babies cry. They cry for several reasons. They cry because they're, they have a dirty diaper. Same reason that husbands cry by the mic. Uh, they cry because they're hungry. That's the main reasons husbands cry. Uh, they're hungry. They have a dirty diaper. Maybe they're sick. But can I tell you, a lot of times infants cry because they're selfish. They, they oh no, if I cry, mom and dad will come and they'll do whatever I want. Let me help you. I've watched young parents, the very second, the least little bit of a cry, we've got to pick the baby up, got to hold the baby, got to do something with the baby. The baby wants attention. A lot of those babies grow up to get everything they want in their life, and they live against, they live against what God wants in their life because whatever they want, you give them because it's about them. 
I'm not talking about just when they're born and one and two. I'm talking about 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. So can I tell you what my wife and I did when our children were infants? If our children cried, they weren't dirty, they weren't hungry, there was nothing wrong with them, we let them cry. Now we heard them, but we realized that that cry was not a need. That'll help you. That'll help you in rearing your children. God will not hear because of sin. Not he cannot hear. We see God's people, they turned to the Lord. We see Samuel took and made sacrifice. And in the midst of that, I want you to picture this. In the midst of the sacrifice, as Samuel is crying out to God and weeping and making the burnt offering of the sucking lamb, and the people have turned to God, no doubt, in sackcloth and ash. And in the midst of that, they get attacked. They get attacked by the Philistines. Now, the Philistines had great weaponry. They had steel-wheeled chariots. They had uh, swords and shields. And they had all of that coming against the nation of Israel. And yet, the Bible says that God discomfited them and they were smitten. How? He thundered. God fought for them. I literally believe, if you read the verses here, that God literally sent lightning down to strike them. That God fought on their behalf. Why? Because they had turned to the Lord. The Bible tells us that there was thunder. God answered the call of his people that day. Samuel recognized God's power. He understood the defeat of the Philistines was not in the power of the nation of Israel, but rather the defeat was at the hand of God. So he set up a memorial. He set up a memorial rock. He set a rock up and as a memorial, and uh, he called it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. He is my rock from whence cometh my help, the Bible says. He, he is the God for Samuel 7, 12. And Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Psalm 118, verse 2, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Christian, as we think about the work of the prophet Samuel, as we think about him obeying the Lord, we see that there was a call to holiness, a call to righteousness, a call to repentance. May we as God's people realize that God wants us for his own. Our God is a jealous God. He wants our love. He wants our attention. He wants our service. And we see not only that, but he's ready to listen when we cry for help.
three or four, four weeks ago, I think, three weeks ago, whatever it was, Brother Darren and I were out hunting. And Brother Darren saw a deer cross the road. I didn't see it because I might be getting blind as well as hard of hearing, Brother Darren. And he told me, and I said, stop. He said, oh, it's already gone. I said, no, stop, stop right now. Stop, 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 stop. That's probably about the way I said it. Stop, stop, <laughs> stop, stop, because he was driving like a maniac. And I said, come with me. We got out of the truck, got down the edge of the road. I said, get ready. And I went, I won't do it, but I did it a long time. I did it really loud. Why? I was trying to sound like a little fawn that was in trouble. And I knew a single doe that this time of the year, they're not alone. They have young ones. Uh, now, the young ones are grown and can take care of themselves now, but they're, they have that maternal instinct. Now, we dumbly got up and walked back to the truck too quick because as soon as we got back to the truck, we watched Mama come out and go, you want to fight? You fight me. Uh, she, she came. She heard that noise. She came out. She was ready to protect. Why is it we would believe that a dumb animal would want to protect their young and hear their young more than our God would hear us? God wants to hear you call unto him. God loves when his people call unto him. And we see when God's people called, God answered mightily. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your hand that we see in the life of Samuel. We thank you for that faith. We thank you for your will for him. Lord, we thank you for the picture that we see in our life. Lord, that you want purity, you want holiness, you want separation unto you. And Lord, I'm thankful this morning that you want to hear us. You want to answer. Lord, I pray we would by faith trust you. We would by faith call out to you. Lord, I pray that you would bless. Lord, meet the needs this morning. Lord, be with those traveling yet to be here. Lord, I pray you'd be, uh, Lord, in our children's church hour. I pray you'd be in our service this morning. Uh, Lord, that your will be done. Bless us now. In your precious name we pray. Amen.